This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Good morning, Life Change Church. Um, So I am so excited um, just to tell you just a little bit about what God did in our worship team, but I want to go backwards just a little bit in time. So a few years ago, um, our staff was at a conference. We're part of an organization called Link, and they help us with um, growing in our leadership. And so we were there for that a few years ago, and I had the opportunity of sitting in on a session with Pastor Zach Neese. And at that time, he was speaking to worship worship team and um, worship leaders, and I was listening to him, and I was like, you know, I was super convicted. At that time, I think I'd been leading worship for like 10 years. And I, to be honest with you, I had a moment where I went, what have I been doing? I got to make some adjustments in my life. And the Lord really worked through him when he spoke that day. And then after that, I found out he had a book called How to Worship a King. I really recommend that you read it. And I read that book. And at that time in my life, I was just in a phase. I don't know if all any of you newer moms, just like, I don't have time to read, but I'd love to read. I was in one of those phases. I didn't know how to make time for anything but my Bible. And um, I felt like God wanted me to read it. So I read it and the Lord really spoke to me about things I needed to make changes in as a worship pastor, as a worship worship leader, and just a brother or sister in Christ, you know? And so I um, read through it. And then shortly after that, many of our team members go, went through it and it really changed the way that we worshiped and I know that the Spirit of God worked through Zach and so it is my privilege today I'm going to um, have him come up real quick if you guys could give him a round of applause <laughs> Hello. and can I give you a hug Thank you. <laughs> so it's it's good um, it's good to be here and it's good to um, be able to learn from you pastor Zach but I want to tell you something We have an opportunity to give into the ministry that God is doing through him. And this moment, I don't want to take lightly because I have been super impacted by the work of God in you. And I know our teams will continue and I know our church will today too. But I want to um, just give him the mic for before you go to the sermon. I want you to share with your next steps that God is doing in you. Okay, I'm about to move to Alaska with my whole family. We've been in Texas for 15 years and the Lord's calling us there uh, to Alaska. I'm going to be an executive at a church in Anchorage, but this church also has an apostolic history. So they've planted something like 900 different churches over the years. And over the last decade, um, some of those wells have kind of been stopped up and the pastor of the church now really wants to redig those. And so I have an inv- I have an open invitation, which I'm really excited about, into the native community, which I've had dreams about since I first got saved. I, so I, I want to see what God's going to do there, but but also just the opportunity to continue uh, to sow into the churches around the world. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how I got here. I used to be in a little bitty church in Pennsylvania, and I'd walk around the cow fields and pray for the nations. And I'm like, how on earth am I going to be a blessing to the nations when I'm stuck in this itty bitty church in Pennsylvania? And, and I've trained worship pastors from 50 different countries now. And it's like God just brings them to me. And I'm not that big a deal. I don't even, it's just the Holy Spirit. So I get to do that there, and they want to sow into that, so they want to send me uh, just wherever God asked me to go. So that's what I'm going to be doing. 
And we'll see what the Lord does with it. We're praying that God does something miraculous. There's so many prophecies over Anchorage that the Lord's going to pour his spirit out there down to the lower 48. And so they've been waiting to see what the Lord is going to do. And if you think about it, pray that the Lord pours his spirit out in this cold, frigid, you know, the hinterlands of America, and that it just drips and oozes all over the rest of the nation because we need them. Amen. So we have an opportunity to sow into his ministry. And so if you would love to do that, then you can give by, you can go online and you'll see the tab that says guest speaker. You can also text to give guest. And then also there are buckets in the back. You're um, welcome to give there too. But before he preaches today, can we um, lift our hands towards him and just preach a blessing on him? God, thank you so much for the work that you do that, wow, we are your kids and we get to carry out the good news and we are worshipers. And Father, I thank you for Zach Neese and his family, um, all of his children too, God, and just the work that you've done in him. And God, I pray, Lord, that um, we would understand the blessing it is to give to the church, to give to guest speakers like Zach, and Lord, that it would just um, propel him forward to be able to do kingdom work. I thank you for that. I pray you bless him and God anoint him as he gives your word today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I, I, was, just telling, uh, I was just telling Pastor Ron a little while ago, he, he prayed over me with the elders. And I don't know, you probably don't get an opportunity to sit in those meetings, but you have some praying elders in this church. You have a pastor who loves Jesus. And I've been to a few churches and I was just telling him, I, I don't remember the last time I was just so blessed and encouraged uh, by a pastor in prayer. So thank you, Pastor Ron. We, I just met Pastor Brenda, right? Did I get it right? Just beautiful Brenda. So I just met beautiful Brenda. <laughs> It's, it's so great to meet you both. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Uh, Jenna, the worship team, we had a really good time the last couple of days. And uh, I've just felt so welcome here. So thank you again. Uh, greetings from Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, the belt buckle and the cowboy boots. Did you notice that? Was that for me? Oh, you guys are so sweet. Is everybody wearing cowboy boots and belt buckles? That's so sweet of you guys. Thank you so much. Um, so typically when a, when a guest speaker comes in and is preaching at a church, he brings like one of his best messages. So I just want you to know that I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't bring one of my best messages. What I did is I prayed and I asked God, what do you want me to say? So I have no idea if this is going to be any good or not. If Jesus shows up, it's going to be great. If he doesn't show up, this is going to be a complete mishmash, okay? So let us pray again. I want to ask you if you just open your hands to the Lord. The Bible over and over again says, he who has ears, let him hear. So Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and our ears to you. We ask that you would be the only spirit of power in this room, and we ask that you would speak to us. We don't want to leave the same way we came in. We want to be transformed from glory to glory into your likeness as we behold your image. So show us what you're like, Jesus. And I pray that you would give me eloquence of speech and clarity of thought, and you would help me to communicate your heart and nothing that's not of your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, people of God? Amen. All right, so I have a question for you, and I've been asking this question all over the place, everywhere I go, because it's an important question. What time is it? 
what, now Jenna, don't tell me it's 9.55. Every time I ask that question, she tells me literally what time. I'm not talking about the clock, I'm talking about the clock. If there's a clock in heaven, what time does it say, right? If there's a clock in the church, what time does it say? If there's a clock in the United States of America, what time does it say? I'm sure you've noticed that things are crazy around here. Anybody notice that things have gone nuts in the last few years? Yeah, these three people noticed. The rest of you guys, where have you been? Like, this is the weirdest time that, that I remember in, in my 50 years of life. What in the heck is going on? It's like this pandemic happened and the whole world went crazy and lost its mind. And, you know, as we were all shut in, my wife and I were praying, how do we weather this as a family? What do, what do we do during this time? So we started thinking, we, we didn't want to just, uh, you know, binge watch baloney television for a couple months while we're stuck in the house. We wanted to make sure when we came out, we came out stronger than we went into this thing. We wanted to make sure when our kids came out, they came out with more faith than they went into this thing. And we wanted to make sure that they didn't look like noodles. So, so we put them on exercise programs while they were stuck in the house. And we played and we played cards. And, and we played board games and we played kickball. And because I have six kids and there's eight of us stuck in this house, we pitched a tent in the backyard and called it the tent of meeting. So if you started getting stressed out by the people around you, you could just go out to the tent of meeting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my wife's still there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's still in the tent of meeting. But one of the things that, that, that we thought is, I want to make sure our kids have, have the Lord's perspective on this as much as we can, you know. And so we started uh, studying the Bible together. We, we do that anyway. But we thought, what would be a, the most appropriate book to study together in the midst of a worldwide, everybody's going nuts pandemic? So we decided to read the book of Revelation. Why not? I want it, so before we start, I'm not talking about monsters or beasts or antichrists. I'm not talking about uh, wormwood or, or anything that's weird. I don't think that the book of Revelation is the revelation of the antichrist. I don't think it's the revelation of the end of the world. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that means when I read the book of Revelation, every time I open this book, I don't know Jesus more, right? This is the story, it's the story of Jesus. And it's written, I don't know if you know the background, it's written by John, and he was imprisoned as an old man on the Isle of Patmos. And he's on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day, and he sees the Lord. And, and John knows Jesus probably better than any living human being. For three years, he lived with him day in and day out. And day after day, Jesus is doing God stuff, and John just had his mind blown constantly, right? And this guy who knew Jesus better than than any other man, then he sees him on the Mount of Transfiguration as the Lord glorifies his son. And he heard the voice from heaven say, this is my son, listen to him. And John's mind is blown again. And then he's the only disciple at the feet of, of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he watches the love of the father being poured out through his son on humanity, not even fully understanding what he's, what he's witnessing, but his mind is blown again. And then he sees Jesus Christ resurrected and his mind, guess what, is blown again. Then as an old man on the Isle of Patmos, he's praying on the Lord's day and Jesus shows up in, in front of him. You'd think if anybody had seen all there is to see of Jesus, it's John, right? But guess what happens when he sees Jesus? His mind is blown again, that's right. Jesus shows up, and I don't know if you've read the description lately, but Jesus shows up to John. Imagine this. His hair is white as wool. His face 
shining like the sun, eyes like fire, feet like burnished brass, a sword coming out of his mouth, a voice thunders like the roaring of many waters. And the Bible says that Jesus, that, that John sees Jesus. John saw him. He walked with him every day of, his, of three years. He walked with him. He saw him on the cross. He saw him resurrected. He saw him transfigured. This time he sees him again. The Bible says John sees Jesus and he fell down like he was dead. I mean, like, he falls down like, listen, if you're not acquainted with the carpet, you need to get acquainted with the carpet. Because if you're praying for the glory of God, when the glory of God shows up, nobody stands anymore. Everybody hits the ground when the king comes in the room. You hear what I'm saying? He gets his mind blown again. And here's the lesson for us. If you think you've seen all there is to see of Jesus... You ain't seen nothing yet. There's always more revelation of Jesus Christ, right? So I want my kids to come out of COVID with a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. So we start reading it and we begin uh, in, in verse, in chapter one. This is great. Chapter one, verse three said, says this. And I, maybe you've read this before. Maybe it hasn't, it hasn't really struck you like this, but listen to this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it because the time is near. So I'm sitting down with my kids and, I, and, and we read this together and I said, this says blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Um, I, I wanna just go around and, and, and read verse through verse, read it together. Are you guys willing to read this aloud? And they're like, yeah. And it says, blessed are those who hear it. And when, when we're reading it, are you guys willing to, to listen? Yeah, we're willing to listen. And it says, blessed are those who take it to heart. When we read it and we take it to heart, are, uh, and we and you hear it, are you willing to take it to heart? And my kids are like, yeah. And I said, the Bible says, if you read it, if you hear it, if you take it to heart, you're going to be blessed. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say if you understand it. We plow through the book of Revelation and we're like, I have no idea what this is saying. This is really, so we just put it down and we don't read it. God understands that you don't know what the heck you're reading. He knows because there's going to come a time when he's going to reveal what it's about. But until then, you're just reading it. And and according to this word, if you read it, you'll be blessed. Doesn't say you have to understand what he's talking about. You just have to absorb it, hear it, listen to it. You have to take it to heart. And so I'm like, guys, who's willing to do that? And my kids are like, yeah, that's a great deal. When else in life do you get to not have to understand something and still get blessed by it? So we spent time going through this book and it was a blast. We had so much fun together because we'd get to passages of scripture and I'd be like, I don't actually understand what this means. What do you guys think it means? And we'd just have fun talking about, well, it could mean this, it could mean that. And they weren't scared. So we were reading through, when you get to chapter two, how many of you guys have read this lately? Anybody read the book of Revelation? Like seven? Yeah. The rest of you guys. It's the last book in the Bible. Have you gotten that far yet? It's the last one. It's a great book. It's really freaky sometimes, but don't be freaked out. It's about Jesus. So Jesus is talking to John and he basically says, John, I want you to pick up a pen. I'm going to, I'm going to dictate seven letters. And Jesus dictates seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. These are actual churches in what is today Turkey. So Jesus gives him seven messages, one to each of these seven churches in Turkey. 
Some theologians think that these seven letters are also written to seven types of churches. So there's, there's like the church of brotherly love and there's the suffering church and there's the apostate church. And, and what that means is if you and I read it, it's got something to say to every one of us because every one of us goes to one of these types of churches, right? So read the seven letters. But some theologians think that these seven letters are actually seven ages of the church. And if that's true, these seven letters are like a clock that tell you what time it is. I'm not saying I understand. I'm not saying that that's the truth. But my question to you is, what if? If the Lord put a clock in the Bible that would tell you what time it is, would you want to read it? Hello? If you don't answer, I don't think you love me. If the Lord put a clock in the Bible to tell you what time it is, would you want to read it? Yes! All right, you're with me. I feel affection now. I appreciate that. So, this is my next question. Um, what if we're the seventh church? dictates seven letters. After the seventh letter, Jesus says, come up here. There's some people that think that that represents the rapture, that the rapture happens. I don't know how you guys feel about the rapture. All I know is that Jesus is going to come back and I want to be with him. That's what I believe. Jesus coming back, I want to be with him. But if, what if we are the seventh church? I just want to look at it this for a second because if, if that's a possibility, if we're like the last age of the church, wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to be prepared? Because if, if it's like the last day of the church, we kind of got to be up to something important, right? If Jesus, if Jesus is coming back soon, see, this is what the scripture says. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. Why? Because the time is near. And you're like, well, for 2,000 years, people have been thinking the time is near. Listen, all I know is today, the time is nearer than it was yesterday. The percentages of Jesus coming back go up every day I'm alive because every day we're walking nearer to that day. Every day past is a day further away. You understand? So I don't know if it's a hundred years or a day or a thousand years, but I know that tomorrow's nearer than today. I know that the time is coming near. So I want to know what the church needs to be about. So let's look at this for a second. This is the church of Laodicea. You guys have read this before. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. And here's the irony. I just want you to know this is something weird to me. I just looked at my pastor's notes um, in Texas. I didn't know this, but today he's teaching on this same thing. He's teaching on the same church right now. Uh, I don't know if, if you believe in coincidence or not. Albert Einstein said that coincidence is God's way of working incognito. <laughs> so whether or not it's coincidence or it's the Lord, somehow you guys, this church is lined up with a church in Texas today. That means we're going to be in unity with somebody who's halfway across America, okay? This is Revelation 3, 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen. When do you say amen? You say, you say amen after someone's done talking or praying, right? Why would Jesus say, I'm the amen? You ever thought about that? In my name, amen, right? <laughs> Is Jesus saying, I'm, okay, I'm done talking. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. That means he sees more clearly than we do. 
the ruler of God's creation. That means he has all authority. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. It's kind of interesting that God, God can judge our temperature by our deeds. It means he, he's, we deceive ourselves. We think we can dress up our religion, but God sees through all that stuff, doesn't he? I wish you were either one or the other. Oh, did I skip something? I know your deeds, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you're lukewarm, you've read this before, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The New King James says, vomit. That's gross. Because you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. There's, there's a, a, a modern term for that, upchuck. We call, it, we call it puking. I don't want to make Jesus puke. Do you want to make Jesus puke? You want to make Jesus puke? Anybody in here want to make Jesus puke? I don't want to make Jesus puke. Okay, it was, this would be like somebody fixing me a dish that they know makes me sick. I don't want to fix that dish. I don't want to fix that dish for my guest. And so if there's anything that makes God sick, I, I, I want to know about that. I don't want to make God sick. By the way, I'm not going to hurt your feelings. So if you're thinking I'm about to tell you that you make Jesus puke, I'm not saying that, okay? Just relax a second. I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings, okay? I just want to learn what this is about. Are you with me? Okay, I don't want to make God sick. I want him to come to dinner. Anybody else want Jesus to come to dinner? Yeah. yeah. If you know that fixing fish makes him sick, I ain't fixing fish. He likes fish. What's the problem with this church? This church has a temperature problem. It's, 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 it's tepid. It's, it's complacent. A blasé attitude. There's something about that that nauseates the heart of God. Ultimately, when you're talking about a temperature problem, you're talking about a passion problem, right? Because the, the, the word passion means to care about something so much that, that it make you, you're willing to suffer for it. That's what passion means. It means I'm willing to suffer for something. I care so much about it. Do we have a passion problem? And ultimately, if there's a passion problem, it's a worship problem. And when I say a worship problem, I'm not talking about singing songs. I'm talking about, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your acceptable or spiritual act of worship. I'm talking about the great commandment. I'm talking about Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. The word strength in Hebrew is meod. It means muchness. Have you met a Jesus that you're you're so in love with and so overwhelmed with, like John, your mind is so blown by that you love him with your muchness. And when you're squeezed, the love of God comes out. And when you're addressed, sparks fly out because he's captured your muchness. That's what worship is. He's captured my, my everything so that because he poured everything out for me, I will give everything back to him. And that's my worship. That's what passion is. You hear what I'm saying? That's worship. Historical, okay. Have you ever noticed like it's impossible to say biblical words that are actually in the original language, like Greek and Hebrew? Uh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna butcher it, okay? And if you say it a different way, don't get offended. It's, it, uh, we Texans, we say this is, the, this is the church of Laodicea. And actually, it's pronounced Ladikaya, okay? I know how it's pronounced, but I'm just going to say Laodicea because it's what I'm used to saying, okay? So there's four things that this church is famous for, all right? Out of the seven churches in Asia Minor, the church of Laodicea is famous for banking, 
It has the biggest bank of any of those seven churches. It's famous for, so in other words, this is the richest church. As I'm talking, I want to ask you to do something. Let the Holy Spirit make parallels between what we're reading here and what we're living, okay? Do you know who the richest church in the world is? You're sitting in it. The Church of the United States of America, the Western Church, is the richest church in the world. We're the richest church in world history. If the Lord was going to write a letter to the church and, uh, and he was, he was going to speak to the rich church, he'd be talking to us probably. And as my kids and I were reading these seven letters, I started asking them, which of these do we sound most like? And when they got to this one, they were like, oh, I think we're this one. They made that decision. I'm not the one that taught them that. Famous for banking. Famous for textiles because they have these awesome pasture lands and fields around them so they can grow and raise big, fat, healthy sheep. Big, fat, healthy sheep make good wool, which makes great clothing. So they're famous for their clothing. They dress better than anybody else in the seven churches. Who's that remind you of? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been anywhere else in the world, but we are the best dressed church in the world. They're famous for their hospital. They, they think that they're pretty wise people because they've got medicine figured out. Of the seven churches, they've got the best health community. And they're famous for one more thing that nobody wants to be famous for. They have terrible water. I'll tell you why they have terrible water. They're sitting on this plain surrounded by pasture lands. About six miles to the north is another town, which is called Hierapolis, and Hierapolis is famous for its hot springs. But in order to get that hot, refreshing water, uh, by the way, y'all, I know you don't feel cold, but it's cold up here to me. And I've I've been cold for the last three days. I don't know how I'm going to survive in Alaska, but I've been cold for the last three days. And last night after everybody left, this room that I'm in has a, has a fire in it. So I cranked up that fireplace and it's got a hot tub in it. I know I'm completely spoiled. It's got this hot tub in it. So I filled that hot tub up with hot water. And guys, when you're freezing, there is nothing better than soaking in some hot water with a fireplace, right? So Hierapolis has springs of hot water. But in order for that water to get down here to Laodicea, it has to go through six miles of aqueduct. What happens to hot water over the course of six miles of aqueduct? Can you imagine turning on the spigot and the water coming out? Six miles of lime and sulfur and minerals and the temperature dropping foot by foot by foot by foot. By the time it gets to you, you don't have hot water anymore. By the time it gets to you, if you're freezing in Massachusetts, you're going to stay frozen in Massachusetts because that water is not hot anymore. Hot water is good. Well, what about cold water? There's another town called Colossae, which is, uh, you know, Paul wrote the book to the Colossians that he wrote it to Colossae. So the Colossians are famous for their cold springs. It's about six, no, 10 miles to the south and to the east. They have refreshing cold springs of water that bubble up. I live in Texas. There's nothing better on a hot day than a cold drink of water. And in fact, in the summertime, nobody goes outside unless they're going to jump in some cold water because it's just absolutely miserable outside. You love cold water. 
Hot water's great, it's refreshing. Cold water's great, it's refreshing. But in order for that cold water to get to Laodicea, it has to go through 10 miles of clay pipe. Imagine what that water feels like once it's gone through 10 miles of clay pipe. So any water, by the time it gets to Laodicea, is tepid, gross, filled with dirt, filled with clay, smells like sulfur. In other words, it makes you want to vomit. Isn't that interesting that Jesus actually knew who he was talking to? Have you ever considered that Jesus knows exactly who he's talking to and he knows why he's talking to them? What's this place's problem? This place's problem is they have a source issue. They don't have a spring. They don't have any water welling up. They've got a source issue. And if we're talking about rivers of living water, a source issue is always a presence issue. Hierapolis has a source. They've got springs. Colossae has a source. They've got springs. Laodicea doesn't have a source. They don't have a spring. They don't have a spring. Everything is coming from somewhere else. Some of us Christians live like that. We don't have a spring. Jesus Christ, every every word we get comes from somewhere else. We go to church because that's where the spring is. I don't have a spring right here. I've got a presence problem. I need the presence. I need the spring within me. You get what I'm saying? Are you guys out there? So Revelation 3, 17 through 22 says this, you say, I am rich. Remember, they're bankers. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. That doesn't sound good. You think you're rich, but you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor. The word poor doesn't just mean, I had, we were poor when I was a kid. We ate beans and rice. This isn't that kind of poor. This is like beggared. This is like you have to stand on the corner and beg for coins, poor. And naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Eternal riches. So that you can become rich. He's talking to bankers and he's saying, you're relying on the wrong kinds of riches and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. He's talking to the best dressed church in the country and he's, tell, and he's telling them, you're wearing the wrong clothes. The clothes you need are the clothes that only I can give you because you think you're dressed up, but you're actually butt naked. Sorry, set of Texasism. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. You think you're wise, but in reality, like my granddaddy used to say, you're a darn fool. You get it? This church thinks it's going on. If there was a modern parallel to this church, it would be a church who has, you know, their lighting is on point. Their building facilities look great. They know how to put a song list together. Their people are great musicians. They can sing. They can play their instruments. Their, their pastor knows how to put together a three-point sermon. In fact, they have all the resources except the one resource that really matters. Jesus Christ. The source. Here's my question. Um... I'm, I'm going I'm to meddle a little bit. Would we, how long would it take us to notice if Jesus quit coming to church? Have we figured out how to do church so well that we don't even need his help anymore? Because I've been to a lot of churches. And there are a lot of churches who have figured out how to put together a program. People come in, they, they, they worship, they, they sing songs, they have altar calls, they hear a message, they turn around, and they leave exactly the same way that they came in. If you leave the same way you came in, you didn't meet Jesus. 
You got a source problem. Anytime you have a passion problem, if you're not transformed, it's because you got a source problem. You didn't meet with the source. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you guys okay? This church is trusting in all the wrong resources. There's a missing resource. How do I know that he's missing? Because in verse 19, check this out. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. You think he, I'm thinking he's right here, but no. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Well, hold on a second. He's standing at the door and knocking. You know what that tells me? He's not in the church. <laughs> He's outside. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus going, yeah, would you guys gonna invite me to help with this today? Or you got this covered? Anybody? Uh, I, I did a thing uh, when I was in a church in Alabama. I had one of my friends dress up like Jesus and he stood at the back of the door. And when we started worshiping, I was like, the Bible says the Lord's enthroned on the praises of his people. And, and he knocked on the back door. And eventually he comes walking. I, I said, somebody get the door back there. Somebody went running down and opened the door and Jesus comes walking in the room, you know? <laughs> and he's walking down the aisle going, hey John, how you doing, Bob? And I'm introducing him to people. This, you know, this is Reggie. And, and over here, this is Donna. And, and, and this is Jim. You haven't met him yet, but we're working on him, you know. And I invite Jesus up to the front. And I say, Jesus, we're, about to, we're about, just about to worship you. You want to stick around? And he goes, yeah, that'd be amazing. And I pull out this little bitty chair, this little baby chair that comes from one of my kids' dollhouses. And I put it on the seat on the ground. And I say, be enthroned upon the praises of your people, Lord. <laughs> And he's like, you want me to sit on that? And he's like, yes, be enthroned on our praises. He's like, you want me to sit on that little thing? He's like, yes, Jesus. And he goes, you know, I got another thing. I, I think I got to be at. So Jesus, I, I, I hug him and he walks out the door. Everyone's going, bye, Jesus, as he walks out the door. And I lift up this little chair and I said, the Bible says the Lord is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Now, how much Jesus do you need? Because I need more Jesus than that. I need more Jesus than that. And the question is, are we satisfied with what we're seeing right now? Or do you need more Jesus than that? Is your culture getting enough Jesus? Is America getting enough Jesus? Because to me, standing at the door and knocking is not satisfying the desires of my heart. And it's not meeting the needs of the people of God. When he shows up, anything's possible. If he doesn't show up, nothing's possible. This church has a poverty of presence. A poverty of presence. They've got everything else. In fact, this is the type of church that everybody in town attends except Jesus. I don't want to be that place. If Jesus doesn't show up, what's the point? What do we have to serve people with? If the power of God isn't in the room, you see, if you've got a passion problem, it's always because there's a source problem. And if you've got a source problem, you're always going to have a power problem. Naked, blind, poor. That does not sound like an advertisement for a king. Naked, blind, poor. That's a weak church, a powerless church. If I've got a power problem, I've got a presence problem. If I've got a presence problem, I've got a passion problem. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want more of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you guys, I, I know, when I talk about this, I know there's people who are going, but, but the Bible says he's omnipresent. Listen, there's a difference between the presence of God and the presence of God, okay? Oh my gosh, I have to finish. This is so not fair. 
Okay, I'm just going to skip. I, I want to I share a testimony with you, okay? Uh, a few years ago, actually this is uh, almost nine years ago now, um, I volunteered to leave a really big place and go to a really small place to start a new church. And we didn't have anywhere else to start, so um, we contracted with a school to set up and tear down and meet in the school. It was the worst school in the district. They had the most teen pregnancies, the most crime problems, the most drug problems. It was the worst school in the district and they needed more money so they let us come because we were paying them. Over the course of that year, we brought in people to worship in that place. And how many of you know that if you want the things of heaven to happen on earth, you have to do the things of heaven on earth. So if you want to see the holy God enthroned in a place, you have to worship like the beasts around the throne of God. You got to worship like the elders who fall down on their faces and cast their crowns at his feet. And we did that week after week after week. And we began praying through the hallways. Lord, we know that this is a part-time sanctuary and a full-time school, but would you come and as we worship you would you be enthroned and even when we leave would you stick around just linger we're asking that it would be a full-time sanctuary and a part-time school just move in these hallways touch the teachers touch the students over the course of that year we went from about 300 people to 1700 people to 2200 people just drug dealers getting saved and people who were using getting saved and witches getting saved. I prayed for a witch at the altar who had to call ahead and she goes, hold on a minute, I have to call, I have to call and cancel my class. She was about to teach a class on witchcraft and she was receiving Jesus so she called to cancel it. Isn't that awesome? At the end of the year, they had a meeting with all the administrators of the schools in the district and they went around and every school in the district had the worst year they'd ever had. But when they came to this school, the administrator said, we've had the best year we've ever had. Uh, there's no teen pregnancies. There's no drug problems. We've had no fights, no gang issues. In fact, the, the police used to be here all the time. The police have left because there's nothing for them to do. And the other schools go, well, what are you doing differently? What do you attribute that to? And they said, we don't know. The only thing we can think is that there's a church meeting in our school now. And the other schools go, how do we get a church to meet in our school? <laughs> The whole time we're praying around this building that used to be a grocery store and we're just kind of remodeling it to make it into a church because it's what we had. We're praying for the neighborhoods. We're praying for the people. We're just loving on the families and, and praying that marriages will stay together and, and, and children will come home and people who are feeling suicidal thoughts, that, that those people would come to know that they have value. We're interceding over the neighborhood, right? And we started walking around this building that used to be a grocery store that was about to become a church and asking God, God, what would you like to do in this place? Here's the thing. The Bible says he can do exceedingly above all that you ask or imagine. To me, that's a dare. When was the last time you asked a big, gnarly prayer? When was the last time you imagined something big and gnarly? Because... If I'm passionate about Jesus, he says he shows up. And if he shows up, he always comes with his power. And if he comes with his power, I ought to see some big gnarly things happen, right? So I began to imagine, God, what do you want me to pray? What, what would you like to do? And I invited my prayer people to, God, what do you want to do? And, and I felt like the Lord was like, you should ask for 500 people. I mean, I'm sorry, 5,000 people. <laughs> no one's ever heard of a thing like that. There's never been a church that opened its doors with 5,000. That's crazy. 
So we start praying for 5,000 souls out of these neighborhoods. And we started praying that the Spirit of God would be so powerful in that place that his love would be drawing people off the street into the room. On day one, guess how many people we had show up? 5,000 people showed up. And, and one, of the, one of the ushers comes up to me with this lady and said, said, Pastor Zach, would you pray with this lady? I don't know what to say to her. Or would you talk to this lady? I don't know what to say to her. And I was like, yeah, sure. So she comes up and she starts talking to me and she's like, and I'm like, well, you know, what's going on? She said, I don't know. I was just driving by and I felt like this energy. <laughs> and she goes, I felt this energy and it was like it was pulling me in. So I drove into the parking lot. And then I felt this energy coming out of this building. So I just parked and I got out and I came into the building. And, and then I felt this energy that was kind of pulling me up. And, and I was like, oh, I know what that is. That's not energy. That's the spirit of God. We asked that the love and the power of God would be so present in this place that it would be drawing people off the street. And what you just felt was the spirit of a God who loves you that's drawn you to himself and led her to Jesus right there. Guys, I want to encourage you with something. Jesus can do powerful things. Right now, the, the, the church is walking around like this. I don't know what to do. I'm so weak. Everything's terrible. I know hard things are going on. When hard things go on, when you get squeezed by life, what comes out of you? When you get squeezed, does, does faith come out? When you get squeezed, does, does passion come out? When you get squeezed, does worship come out? When you get squeezed, do you go, my God can do more than that? Because I'm telling you, I know that this church has seen great things, but God has greater in front of you. Because the Lord wants to open your imagination to believe that you've got a God who can do more than you ask. So start asking big. If I love Jesus and I praise him, he shows up. If I have, if, where his presence is, there's passion and there's power and I believe it. Now look at this. This is the very end of this scripture. Mm. Where am I? I'm lost. Mm. To the one who is victorious, this is verse 21. One who's victorious, what does that mean? That means to the one who overcomes. Overcomes what? Overcomes complacency. Overcomes the tendency to think, it's just business as usual. We're just going to church because we go to church. Overcomes the temptation to get everything right except the one thing that matters. I need the presence of the living God because my culture's falling apart. Because the suicide rate's through the roof. Because the divorce rate is through the roof because porn addiction is through the roof, because adultery is through the roof, because our politicians can't fix it, because our politicians never had the power to fix it, because that's the power of the living God. What if we overcome? What if we overcome our lukewarmness and we turn our hearts back to him so that we become wells again, so that this house is a well, so that when people need a hot it's here. When people need cold, refreshing water, it's here because living water is here. Do you understand? To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Sit with me, you know what that means? Intimacy. On my throne, you know what that means? Authority. Power. Intimacy. 
just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Does anyone here have ears? Let him hear. Pastor, can I tell one more story? I need to wrap up. I know it's 1030. I just have one more testimony that's so cool. So we had people coming in. You know what happens when, when God figures out that there's somebody that loves babies, he sends babies. He's like, you're going to love my kids? Other people aren't loving them. Here, you can have more. I'll give them to you. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So we're, we're like catching babies as fast as we can catch babies. We, we baptized 600 people one weekend. Can you believe that? We're not that cool a church. In fact, I'm at a video campus. The pastor never showed up one time to preach on that platform. The only live thing we have is worship. Why would anybody come to something like that? Because God was attending that church. Everybody wants to go to the church God attends because his power is there. So we had tons of people coming all the time and we had people getting saved. We had people getting transformed. There was a Muslim guy that walked in the back one time and just stood at the back with his hands in the air weeping because he'd never experienced an actual living, loving God before. He'd been worshiping his whole life, a God that he had never met. And he walked in and he met the real God and just stood there and cried. When you see the power of God, you ought to see things that nobody else can manufacture, right? So we had this little girl named Maddie who was 14 years old and her, her, one of her brothers ran cameras and one of her brothers was a sound man who's a great family. And she started getting headaches and she went to the doctor and the doctor told her that she had a tumor the size of my fist on her brain and that he was gonna have to do surgery immediately, but the likelihood was that she wasn't gonna live a couple of months even with the surgery, that she was probably gonna die. And even after the surgery, she may never walk again and she may never talk again. So they put her in a hospital room and the church started praying. Listen, I know there are a lot of things we've asked God for that we haven't seen. I'm not pretending I have a theology for that. I don't know why he does answer some prayers the way we want him to and, and some prayers the, the, not the way we want him to. I'll leave that to pastor. He can talk about that. All I know is that we were praying for a year. It's on you, dude. I'm out of here. All I know is God said he can do more than we ask. He said he can do more than we imagine. So these people start praying in her hospital room and the Lord gave me a song. So I went up to visit Maddie and, and this song I just written, I start pl uh, playing this song and we're worshiping. And as we're worshiping, I get this crazy thought and I start praying. Have you ever prayed one of those crazy prayers that you're like, that's the, after you do it, you're like, that's the dumbest prayer ever. So I pray, God, would you take that tumor between your fingers and just squish it, just squish it to jelly between your fingers, you know? And then her brother's on the ground over here and her brother, as he's praying, gets a vision and he pops up off the floor and he said, I just had a vision. I had a vision that the doctor cut Maddie's head open and the tumor fell out in his hand. And so Maddie's like, I'm healed. So she asked the doctor to come back and she says, I don't want to do the surgery yet. Can we just test one more time to see if it's still there? The doctor says, yeah. They go back and they, and they do the scan. They do the test. It's still there. She, he says, I'm sorry, honey. I, I know you're trying, but we have to do this. They take her back to do the surgery and we're all waiting, right? The doctor comes in after the surgery and, and says, uh, I don't even know what to tell you about this. I cut her head open and the tumor fell out in the palm of my hand. And he said, and I've never seen anything like it. It was like jelly. 
And he said, he's like, I don't know what that even was. We're going to have to send it away to test it. it. That must be what happens when God takes a tumor and squishes it between his fingers. The doctor said it. <laughs> she wasn't going to walk and she wasn't going to talk again. That day, she was awake laughing and going up and down the hallways telling the other patients how she'd been healed. Can you believe that? Now listen, what happened was that hospital room was a full-time hospital room and a part-time sanctuary. But a bunch of believers came in there and started worshiping God and it became a full-time sanctuary and a part-time hospital room. And where the presence of the Lord is, he cannot go somewhere without bringing his power with him. You understand? It's impossible for him to go somewhere without bringing his power with him. And I don't know why he does some things and he doesn't do other things, but I know this, he said he can do more than I ask. So I'm asking big and gnarly. He said he can do more than I can possibly imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my question. Are you satisfied where you are or do you want more of Jesus? always another revelation of Jesus. I want more. I want the world to know that there's a, there's a God who dwells in the church. There's a God who dwells in life change. Is that what you want? So let's close our eyes. And as the worship team begins to play, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is your heart as hot as it once was? Have you seen so many hard things that you've forgotten how to pray for big things? Are you satisfied with your relationship with Jesus? Or do you want more? Are you satisfied with what you're seeing in the church? Or do you know there's more? There's got to be more. And do you want to see it? Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to your people. And I pray that you would do what only you could do through your love, through your power. In the name of Jesus. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.